I am your host, Bettina, and we are having a revolution on today's episode of So Mind-Boggling Journey. I have singer, writer, producer Ray Walker with me today. Hi, Ray. Hi, Bettina. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here. I have questions for you about your hair because I noticed that, like, your hair on your website, you have, like, three different styles where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I have questions about the hair, more questions about your hair. But I want to first get into the music, and then we'll come back to the hair. Okay, perfect. One of the things that I love about your music is, one, I felt like, oh, my gosh, like, I feel like she feels like an artist who's been out for a while. Uh, oh, I wow, connected. I did. I felt so connected to you and the music, and I was getting emotional on some of the songs, oh, wow. and then I was, like, dancing on other songs, and I was like, wow, she doesn't seem like a new artist to me who's still trying to, like, find her way and find her voice. So I wanted to ask you, that was one of my questions, was I wanted to be like, well, where have you been, girl? Like, have you been out here? And I, I just got introduced to you. Um, and I saw your website. <laughs> and I saw on your website that your debut album. So this is actually your second one, the Revolution. This is yes. your second album. But it the is. first one, um, Walk with Me. You actually released that in two thousand nine. Yes, yes. It was quite a while ago. It was my first venture into the recording artist world. Um, and so it was sort of my way of trying to figure things out. Um, so I would say that that was definitely my experimental. How do I put out an album? Uh, piece of work and so I put that out in 2009 and the revolution was sort of like my evolution from that period because so many things so many doors were open to me after I just put myself out there Um, and it just became quite the journey (laughs) since that since that album so very interesting you said that once you put yourself out there all these doors open like so before yes. you put yourself out there were you kind of nervous were you kind of hesitant to put your you know to kind of even pursue this whole thing and then talk about kind of like how those doors open like what happened and how soon because I think um, they always say you know in the spiritual text that you know you'll be surprised that once you actually pursue your path and put yourself out there then all these things start opening up for you and you have tests along the way but that the, the universe will kind of co-sign on what you want to bring to fruition. Absolutely. I mean, I can completely testify to that. I um, I didn't even know I had a voice until later on in life. I know a lot of my friends who are singers and artists um, started singing when they were little kids, but I was actually trained more in dance, so, you know, ballet, tap, jazz, and gymnastics and all those things, and I did that for many years, and then in high school, 
I discovered I actually had a little bit of a voice. <laughs> and so um, once I got to college, I discovered this a cappella group um, that did soul music. And that's when my eyes completely were like, widened and open to this whole world of like singing soul music. And I started in college. And after, after having an opportunity to record an album with my college a cappella group, it, it, the name was Essence, um, and I went to Tufts University, I decided that I wanted to pursue recording music after college. And so I started just recording hooks um, for hip-hop artists in the Brooklyn area. And then I wanted to just learn more. So I started learning how to engineer my own sessions. And that's actually what led to the Walk With Me album. I, I thought, well, I've learned all of these things. Now it's time for me to start writing my own songs and recording my own projects. And once I did that, um, the, the album, I started doing, you know, shows throughout the boroughs, and it was discovered by a manager for the um, 70s, the legendary 70s group um, Sister Sledge. Um, and they had a tour going on in France, and they had asked me to come on the tour with them. So literally, starting from not even being able to write my own songs to beginning to write my own songs and deciding for myself, that whether I was ready or not, I was going to put an album out, that led to me starting to tour with Sister Sledge, who I could have never have imagined touring with when I started this journey. Um, and, I saw, and I toured with them for three years, um, all over Europe and in the States. So, Yeah, I saw on your website. I mean, that is, that's so legendary. Like, I, that is unbelievable. And you said you went on, like, a 10-city tour. How was that, like, the three years? Did you feel like you were – what does that feel like to be living at your passion for three years just doing singing and touring with a legendary artist such as Sister Sludge? It was so exhilarating. I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to express in words. I mean, aside from the fact that um, when I started music, I – really didn't know what I was doing at first. I just sort of was like a sponge, and I just sort of put myself in situations where I would just absorb and learn. Putting out that album for me was sort of cathartic. It was sort of this thing that just sort of felt good to me, even though I didn't really know all the ins and outs, and I had to make mistakes along the way. So to be able to go from that to actually living my dreams, singing live on stage in, like, large arenas with legendary uh, with a legendary group like Sister Sledge was not only just a dream come true, but it was just the most fulfilling experience of my life because I got a chance to see, literally see the world um, because of music. So I have to say it was just absolutely amazing. Um, I grew so much from that experience that that's what led me to write The Revolution. And even though it was years later, it was me just sort of expressing, like, everything that I went through from that growth period to the present. So it was, um, it was amazing. And I, and I think I always tell people like, you know, I, I never could have imagined how far I would have come with just music alone. Um, that it, I'm definitely a testimony to just pursuing what feels good to you and what you get the most joy from. Because um, I not only, my first tour with them was a 10 city tour in France. I'd never been to France before. And yet I got to see the entire country just doing music. Um, and what an amazing group of women to have even just learned from. I learned so much on that tour. They were like big sisters to me. So it was pretty amazing. What did you major in at top? Did you major in music? 
I I majored in everything. I when I first started Huff, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, oh. And when I got there, you know, I you know I I was a biology major. I changed my major several times. College was really a, a period of time for me where I was really discovering who I am, and I was sort of um, it was my first time away from home for a long period of time. And so my parents expected me to be a doctor. They were both uh, they worked both worked. Um, at a hospital, one was a, one was a lab technician, one was a pharmacist. So I think they just wanted me to like continue in that vein. But I had always had an artistic streak to me. I mean, they had always had me in art classes and dance classes. I'd never taken singing, singing classes, but I always knew I enjoyed singing. Um, I didn't really discover my voice until really late in my life, which I consider, you know, high school, the beginning of college is when I discovered I had a voice. And so when I was in college and I discovered this. Um, all-female acapella group that focused on music of the African-American diaspora, I fell in love. I think that was like my first time realizing that music was something that I actually might want to do with my life as opposed to just following societal norms, you know. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was tough for me in college because I did, was discovering those things, but at the same time there was the pressure to, um, to live a safe, uh, live a safe and um, self-sustaining lifestyle, which is just get a job, work nine to five, and just and just have a traditional type of life. Um, so it was really, it wasn't easy, but I, I knew deep down inside I couldn't escape from being artistic in some way. Um, and so eventually, after college and I started working, I found, I met people who were doing music, and I just decided, you know, this is, this is the time for me to just learn more and, and just dive completely into it. So... So the thing I've noticed with pursuing, you know, these dreams, right, is that we will have something amazing happen, right? Like the Ten City tour, three years with uh, Sister Sledge, right? We'll have those right. amazing, amazing moments, right? And then the universe will throw other things at us, other tests that it's like we're all, we're on cloud nine, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, I can't pay the rent. What am I going to do? You know? And it's like right. this series of ups and downs. So what do you do when you hit those down periods? Like, how do you push through? Is it like you just know there's going to be another up period, another peak? Like, what, what do you have to tell yourself mentally to kind of get through those, yeah. um, those lows? That's a great question, I think. And, and it's so true. There are highs and there are lows in, in anything you're trying to pursue, um, especially when you're pursuing something you're truly passionate about. Um, those three years for me were just a roller coaster. I mean, there were I was flying everywhere from – France to Europe to the UK to um, Beirut to Morocco and I was in these amazing festivals with some of the best artists in the world and then there were lull periods where you know the tours were kind of slow and I had to figure out how I was going to you know pay my car note or you know when the next tour was going to happen and should I be relying on another tour to survive I mean in those moments I think I really just relied on faith and just um, just my faith that things were going to be things were going to be okay, and the universe was going to provide. And ironically, the universe always provided. I mean, I got a chance in those in those down periods to really focus on telling my story, writing my story out, writing about my experiences, which led to another album for me. So I think overall, um, having faith and just knowing that the universe is going to provide but that you should just continue to work and find other avenues to express your art. You know, I think those are the things that really carried me through those down periods. And just, 
and just knowing that, you know, there you have you have support, you know, that also helped me through those periods. I mean, I did have family and friends that, you know, supported me emotionally, would um you would tell me about other things that were going on that I could possibly pursue. So it's just all about, you know, just staying positive, having faith, and just knowing that, you know, as long as you keep putting in the work, you know, there is going to be another high period, there is going to be another opportunity, and that to a certain degree you can control that. You can control how you feel about uh, those periods of time where maybe those gigs aren't coming as frequently. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I would say. Um, I think it's interesting that you started that uh, acapella group Essence in college because when I think about acapella, it's like you really have to be able to sing to be able to do some acapella, right? And yeah. I'm like, the fact that you even let yourself um, let go enough to really put your voice out there and without a whole bunch of other stuff to maybe take away or distract or, you know, help out, you know, I'm like, Wow, like that took that was a. I think that takes a lot of courage, especially because you were saying that you came to it later in life, which is not later in life. But a lot of times, we all when we hear about people pursuing their passions, right? It's like, oh, I knew when I was four years old, like I knew exactly. I and it's like, really? Did how did you know? <laughs> and I think that's kind of a myth, right? You know, I'll use my mom as an example. My mom was me in my acting career. She's like, well, you know, you never talked about acting growing up or whatever. But I also was super, super shy, you know, and I had right. a really bad experience in a play that I was in at an early age, you know, so that kind of squelched the, you know, my whole ambition, um, you know, for that. And it wasn't until I, you know, graduated from college, I took acting electives in school, but it wasn't until I graduated college and I was actually working in the fields and doing hosting where I was like, gosh, I really do actually miss the acting, you know, and now I feel like, I know a little bit more who I am to actually pursue it, you know, but I think that it's definitely a long held um, myth that it's like, if you don't know at the age of five, you know, what you want to do, then it doesn't really count or it doesn't really um, mean the same, which right. I think is a false. I think that's such a big falsehood that causes people to go into these, um, you know, what a lot of spiritual gurus call these shadow careers, right? Because that, those are the safe careers. Those are, those exactly. are the jobs that you should be doing. Exactly. Um, it, it takes a lot to do the kind of work that you do and the kind of work that I do. And I can't say that I haven't had moments where I thought, what, this is crazy. Like, why would anyone want this kind of life that's so uncertain and so competitive? And, and people just don't, like, majority of people just don't really understand. They don't understand the process it takes to to bring forth your art in a, in a, in a professional way and in a competitive way. Um, they don't understand the sacrifices that people make. Um, so I think for for the most part, I've had to really talk to myself and really believe in myself to even come this far. And, and even still, you know, you have to sort of battle with, you know, competing with other, other artists and um, wondering if you're even as good as other artists. But what I've realized is the times where I've just been so self-assured is when um, amazing opportunities just uh, just ushered themselves into my life uh, because I just think it's like you said it's like when you put out a certain energy it comes right back to you um, even when I met you I met you at a time where I had just come off of doing a show at Marcus Garvey Park and so I was already I already had that energy from that show and I think that that sort of I'd like to think that the the energy was like sort of radiating in that moment and you know we just we connected naturally but I think that you know I think of the circumstances like would we have had a deeper conversation 
had I not, you know, been in that space of positive vibes and energy, you know, where I could just, like, give that off to someone else. Like, I sometimes, I think about that a lot, you know, and I realize that it's the time where I'm in my most positive moments or I'm living my truth and I'm living in my passion that I feel like I'm connecting more to people and other opportunities are opening up and I'm, you know, building relationships and, and having, you know, building new friendships. So I think that, you know, when you're just doing what you're passionate about, no matter what, and there's going to be challenges and there are times where I'm doubtful, um, but just sort of like recognizing those moments and just like sort of pulling yourself out of it and realizing, you know what, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my purpose. So, you know, why would I do anything else? <laughs> Come fly away with me. Let your mind be free. How was that performing at the uh, Marcus Garvey Park, especially after, you know, in light of everyone's heavy feelings and emotions post the Charlottesville hate attack? It was, it was, it was, it was electrifying. I mean, it was, it was so, it was so meaningful to me because again, just being able to do music in a meaningful way is even more powerful to me. It's like, I love music and I love all types of music, but that particular show was to highlight what exactly is going on right now, our state of race relations. Um, it was to, it was an, the musical portion was an introduction to a screening for the movie 13th by Ava DuVernay. And I'm not sure if you've seen 13th, but that's a, just a really mm-hmm. powerful film about the 13th Amendment and, and the prison industrial complex and then how it's essentially slavery by another name. Um, right. And so to be able to bring music to uh to that kind of gathering and that kind of and send that kind of message um for me was just personally gratifying and i just felt like part of something just amazing for our people <laughs> and i i can't it doesn't get really any better than that than to be able to do what you love and also send a, like such a powerful message that you believe in um so it, it was it was amazing and I can only imagine how powerful that was i'm yeah. just curious which songs um of yours did you sing there well, I actually didn't sing one of my own. I actually, um, they they asked a bunch of uh, artists in the New York City, indie, indie artists in the New York City area to sing songs, freedom songs from the 70s. So the mm. song that I sang, actually, I didn't even choose it. It was it was chosen um, by Marco Nobles um, and P- Peter Wayne, who is also another amazing artist who I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of. Um, 
we were trying to decide on the best songs to sing and uh, to capture the moment. And it was actually a song I wasn't that familiar with at first. It's a Jackson 5 song called Man of War. And at first when I, had, when I got the song assignment, I thought, you know, I don't know, I've never heard the song before. I listened to it. Even though I believe in the message, I wasn't sure I was going to, I was feeling it enough to really sort of, you know, translate it properly. But you know what? After sitting with the song for a few days and realizing, like, all the other amazing artists that I was going to be performing with and the messages that they were sending and just the overall event, the song, I just, now it's like one of my favorite songs. Um, so the song Men of War, Jackson 5, um, the whole point was to bring songs from the 70s, freedom songs that sort of inspired movements back then. And it looks like we need as much inspiration right now to continue the movement that we, we've been struggling with for so many years in this country. Um, so it was perp- it was perfectly, it was a perfect song to sing for that, this moment because it was about just addressing people who feel like war is the solution to everything. And it really isn't. Um, so with our, you know, everything that's going on with the president and North Korea and then what's happening right now in our own country um, with the monuments being torn down and just race relations are all-time high, um, I just felt it was appropriate to, to, bring, to perform that song and to perform it with all of that in mind. So it was definitely coming from the heart. And um, isn't it shocking that uh, all these events that have happened post-Obama, post-eight years of Obama, I'm like, wow, like who knew there was so much hate still out there? And these people, they must have seriously been I – mean, I mean, I'm like, what were they doing for the whole eight years that Obama was in office? Like they had to right. have been dying inside. It's just yeah. – it's crazy yeah. how – you know, as they say, the um, the sheets and the mask have just been ripped off of these people, and they're just so angry. Like, the pictures yeah. that you see, right, from the Charlottesville uh, hate attacks, I mean, they just are so scary to see how upset and how mad these people are and just the the fury that is just behind them. And it's just, right. it's been really, um, it's been really sad to see, especially I actually went to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, and it was just crazy to see that, you know, that type of hate on the lawn and in and, and so many numbers, you know, and right, then downtown right. and the gentleman or well, not the gentleman, but the guy who was who drove the car into the crowd like that and, and hit all of those innocent bystanders. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. And I'm just like, what is going on? And spiritually, they say that things get worse before they get better. And I'm right. just, but I feel like it keeps getting worse and worse. And I'm just like, what is, what is it going to take for things to finally turn around? It's like the most nasty puff filled scar that's being um, revealed to all of us. And it's just, you know, and then we have that on top of North Korea, which I feel like we're not even really able to spend as much time on that as we need to because of what's happening domestically. Um, and I'm like, we really need to be paying attention to North Korea. Like, who knows, you know, what what that situation it could turn into. Um, it's just a really, you know, I um, it's just a really, um, it's a really, I don't want to say a sad time. I mean, there are sad times, but, you know, there also are positive good things that are happening, you know, and we, I don't want to just dwell right. on the negative. But right. it's just a very interesting time that we live in right now. And it's like, we really do have to... Um, be guardians of our spirit and our souls and our families and our friends and just really try to pull together because 
I don't know right. how else we're going to get through it, you know. And so, Absolutely. you know, I urge I I urge my our listeners, you know, to listen to your album because I know that when I listened to your album, I was like, wow, like this feels good, you know, like it felt really really good, and I felt like it made me um, be more in the present moment, you know. Um, yeah. And so I thank you for that. For So Mind Boggling Journeys listeners, how can they find you? How can they find out about where you're going to be performing next and, and, you know, the next music that you're working on? Well, I definitely am very active on Instagram. I have a music uh, site on Instagram called Sweet Soul by Ray. Um, I also have my website, which is Ray of Light Music. Um, I'm probably going to be switching everything over to Sweet Soul by Ray, so you'll be able to find me anywhere from Twitter to Facebook, to my website, by Sweet Soul by Ray. Um, and I just wanted to say a really quick point um, to your, your amazing statement about the state of the, that we're in today. First, I'm very flattered that my album provided some, some great vibes and energy and feeling for you when you listen to, that, listen to it, because for me, that album, one of the things that compelled me to release it was that it, that's what it did for me during really dark periods from, you know, dark periods that I had over the couple of years, the past couple of years. I had, you know, my father passed away and I had, you know, some personal things I was working through. And so this the album, releasing the album was really just a, something I felt like I needed to do because I felt like the music itself got me through those periods. And so I wanted it to do something for that to some, for someone else. So, um, so to hear you say that really means a lot to me. Um, and I just also wanted to quickly say, you know, just about the state of the world that's happening right now is that I think, that um, what we've learned more than anything, just even having all of this happen after an eight-year presidency by the first black president or the only black president so far, is that, you know, we have to just be really diligent in making sure that no matter who we elect, whether they're black or just uh, any person of color or anything like that, I just think it's that we need to make sure that no matter who they are, there always needs to be a black agenda, somehow, some way written into whatever it is that they're doing for the country because we are, we are the descendants of people who built this country. So there's no reason why we should feel like outsiders and have to continue to fight to feel like we are part of this country when, we're the, when we're, our ancestors are the ones that built it. So I would just say to everyone, you know, just be diligent, participate in your local politics, um, and community, and just make sure that no matter who is the face of politics in your area, that they have an agenda to um, to uplift and keep our communities thriving. So I just wanted to add that point real quick. Absolutely, um, and it was a great point. <laughs> Absolutely, we need to hold on to our crowns. Yes, exactly. That our yes, that our ancestors passed on to us. Yeah. Yes. And um, I I look forward to, I'm going to be booking some more shows around the area, and I look forward to to seeing folks come out. And I'm actually more inspired by the fact that, of what's going on and the fact that I was a part of that show in Harlem um, that was strictly focused on, on exactly what's happening in the black community and around the world right now. So I'm, I'm hoping to do more events like that, and I'm hoping to also write more music that, you know, is inspiring to others and, and keeps us focused on self-care um, and self-preservation. And, and just I just want us to thrive and just do well. I don't want us to, to, to feel like we don't belong anymore. All I need is a 
Let me ask you about the hair. Okay, so <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so when I saw you, you had a super cute, uh, natural cropped hairstyle that was gorgeous. Um, and you Thank told you. me the name of your stylist and the salon to you know look into. Um, but I want to know uh, one: how do you take care of it in terms of your products? And then I saw that you still have a lot of variety with your hair. And so I couldn't tell if these those were older pictures before the cut or if you kind of use pieces here or, or wigs. Or I was like, what, I just love the versatility. You look great in all the styles. Like the, the one on the bridge, right, for the Revolution album, you have like the long straight hair, bone straight hair. Yes, and then yes. I saw a promotional picture and you have um, like a very full, long afro. Yes. And so I, I have. Like, oh, my gosh, the hair. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, as black women, we just love versatility. Um, I've had my hair natural for many years, and I've enjoyed playing with different styles. And I think as an artist, I've always wanted to experiment with different styles and um, sort of reinvent myself over the years. So for the album project, it's ironic. The picture on my album cover, I'm actually wearing a wig. I'm actually wearing the long on the braid, the right, the long straight hair with the with the bangs that are cut straight across was a wig, and actually the reason why I was wearing that wig is because on my photo shoot day, it was supposed to be sunny, and it ended up being a massive rainstorm. So instead of canceling the photo shoot, my photographer and I decided, you know what, let's go through the photo shoot. We ended up on the Brooklyn Bridge by ourselves. There was no one on that bridge. It was a massive uh, rain and windstorm, and that picture was taken in the middle of the rainstorm. Um, so part of the reason why I had that wig on was to sort of preserve my hair in the weather. Protect but your hair. To protect my hair. But it ended up turning into, I wasn't even dressed for the photo shoot. That, the outfit I'm wearing on that bridge, everything about that picture was uh, sort of impromptu. And just ended up being the photo that spoke the most to the music and the, 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 the way the, al- the feeling of the album. So we just went with it. I have other pictures where you'll see I'm wearing a natural hair, poofy hair, and I have, it's colorful. That I shot on a different day because I wasn't sure if the bridge pictures were going to even come out. And it turned out that the one of the best pictures that spoke to the album was the picture of me standing on that bridge in the middle of a rainstorm. I so, love stories like that because I feel like a lot of times as artists, we're always striving for the perfection, right? The perfect shoot, the perfect hair, the perfect outfit, the perfect photographer, the perfect this, that, and that. And I've yeah. heard so many times, a lot of times, it's always kind of like the the thing that they didn't think that was going to make the cut. That's the thing that ends up making the cut. And, and, and speaking yeah. so well and resonating with the people that are taking it in, you know, because I love that shot. Yeah. I mean, I literally like looked back and she just took the shot and it's, 
you look really closely at the actual the original photograph, you'll see that there's rain beating down on me. It's literally creating a halo around me. And it just, to me, that spoke the most to my journey. And every, everything that's happened to me since, the fact that I just didn't, when I wasn't trying that hard, that's when these blessings, like, were ushered into my life, you know? It was when mm. I was trying too hard that I think maybe things weren't falling in line because I was expecting things to happen, but it was when I wasn't expecting things and I was just moving naturally and organically, that's when these things started happening. And when I saw that picture, it was just like, that's the picture. Like, it didn't matter having, when I was having, I had a pretty dress on or my makeup was perfect. I, it, the fact that the, the photo was, was not perfect is exactly what made it perfect for the, <laughs> for the cover. Um, and even what I was wearing, I, that's what I wore to the photo shoot. That wasn't a planned outfit. So I literally, I literally, you know, was surprised when, when, I, when I met with my photographer and we, we went through the pictures and that was the one that spoke the most. It was the loudest picture out of all of the pictures. So, um, yeah, so that, that was a wig. And other photo shoots, um, the other rest of the photo shoot I had, um, I actually had another, it was a natural hair wig, but it was, a, it was a, something that I could blend my own hair into. So I've always, I had long natural hair and I just wanted a fuller look. And that's what gave me, like, a fuller, a, a, a more, you know, sort of Diana Ross, you know, full pro look. Um, so it's all about adding pieces and having fun and just creating an illusion. Um, you know, artists have to sort of create this illusion of perfection. And so for me, the, the hair was something that I could play with. And it could still be me, but just, like, more, like, a louder, more dramatic me. Um, yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah, so that was fun. And then recently, I actually ended up going to the salon to cut my hair the day after my father was buried. Um, mm. I just, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to sort of, you know, grieve his passing. And so um, I had a lot of family staying with me. And so it was sort of just me just taking care of logistics and making sure that he had the proper funeral service and burial. And the day after, everyone had gone. So I had finally had a moment to myself. I had just gone to church, and I took myself to brunch. And after brunch, I was like, you know what? I, I, I need to do something. I felt like I, I just needed to sort of express my feelings without being sort of, without being, like, destructive or sad about anything. So I literally just walked myself into this salon that I had gone to the year prior, and I just told them to just take it all off. Um, so it was really impromptu, and I was, you know, during the, the process, it was very emotional for me. But once I was done, I felt like, you know, the, I, I just felt like it was more symbolic than anything, that it was like a new phase of my life um, that I was, I was strong enough to take on, you know, that even though I miss my father, you know, it, it's hair and it's, it's something that people have always, you know, um, identified me by but I can change that and still be myself and still some still a strong woman. And so for me, cutting it all off was more of like a, a symbolic thing for me than it was um, an aesthetic thing. And now it's become an aesthetic thing because I, I love it. It's fun. I, I don't have to do much to it. Um, I just, I wash it. I deep condition it. I only put natural oils in my hair. And I use this amazing product, this sponge product that, sort of defines my, my, my texture a little bit, and then I just go. I don't, I don't have to do much to it at all, and people, people tend to respond to it. They love the tapered look, the fact that I still have length. It almost has like a, 
like a tapered flat top type of look, but it still sort mm-hmm. of has a modern a modern shape to it. Um, and I've just been having so much fun with it because I always thought that I was defined by my hair. But now that my hair is not even in my face and it's I don't I'm not doing high buns and wearing it down to my shoulder, I I actually feel more powerful. I feel more attractive actually, just not even having a lot of hair on my head, mm-hmm. you know. And I've noticed that people are responding to me because of how I'm responding to myself. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's amazing how how hair can be such a powerful tool, and it's definitely a conversation topic for me. Everywhere I go, I always. I always have conversations with women about hair, and they they love the cut. So absolutely, and I can't wait to go to your uh, salon that you recommended. Uh, just yeah. because, same with you, I actually do feel very, very powerful wearing my hair out and very wearing it naturally. Um, right. And I used to, I wore weaves for years, and not to say I would never wear a weave again, because again, like you said, as an artist, you know, we like to create, uh, you know, creatively express ourselves in different ways. So I'll continue to play with different hairstyles, but there is something so freeing and so um, just, it just feels really good to just wear my hair out, you know, yeah. even though I'm still trying to get this thing together because some days <laughs> it's looking a little crazy. I'm like, oh, my God. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I feel like I'm getting there and, you know, yeah. working out. But, it's a journey. But it you know what? This is good to wear your hair naturally. Is, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time I've really felt so proud of my texture because I think that so many years I thought I had to twist it or I had to do something, some sort of manipulation to make it look curly or make it look like it was a looser texture. And with this style, I've, like, fully embraced the fact that I have really uh, kinky hair. It's, like, there's no way around it. It's kinky, and I love it. It's, like, I literally just put product in it let it and let it do what it does, you know, and I'm just so happy for that because I don't have to worry about pulling it or any sort of, like, stress on my hair. I can just let it be. And it's thriving. It, it, it loves to be in this state, and I don't have to – like, I, I literally don't, don't even twist it anymore. I just uh, I just use a little sponge and put product in it just to, like, define the, the natural kink and curl, and then I just go. And it's it's so easy. Because there's such an interesting parallel between your hair and how you said your artistry has been blossoming ever since you also just kind of, like, let it go and didn't yeah. have to try as hard and try to manipulate this and that. I love the parallel between those two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a symbiosis there. Like, when you're in a good place, I just feel like it just resonates through every aspect of your life, you know? So I just try to carry that with me everywhere, and I try to make everything I do be symbolic of something really important, especially at this stage, you know? And with everything that's going on, it's like self-care is everything. So whatever we have to do to feel good about ourselves, like, we got to do it and then still fight the good fight, you know? So, girl, and on that note, <laughs> thank you, Rachel. That was so great. Thank oh my you. god, it was a pleasure. We at Here at Still Mind Boggling Journeys, we will definitely be keeping in contact with you and definitely watching you and listening. And thank you so much for you know taking this time out to even talk to me today. Absolutely, Bettina. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners and everyone who follows you. Um, and I look forward to connecting soon again.